Hey, a couple things. If um, you, in your seats there, when you came up, there's a, there's a connection card. Take a moment, fill that out while the message is going. It's okay. You can do two things at once. You've got prayer requests. You've got anything you want to take next steps. Also in your program, there is a, a listening guide. I've learned if I just listen to something, I, I, I lose about 75%, 80% of it. But if I write it down, I take some notes, I actually retain a little bit more. You might take it home or it might not even make it out of this place. But you've, you've reinforced some learning and growth together. Because we're here to grow together, right, as well as worship the Lord together. We're doing a, a series. This is week two in our series called Live a Better Story. And last Sunday was fantastic if you were here. Like, it, Janelle was so amazing in what she communicated. Uh, not only just great communicator as a person, but her story and what she went through and how God really helped her to live a better story. And so that, that's our thing. And, and we didn't know this. We just had a few books avail, uh, available last week. There's more books. Her husband came in this morning. Uh, they were not able to be with us this morning, but they dropped the books off. And so if you didn't get a book today or last week go ahead these are free um if you don't if this is where she's not here they can see that do this but if you could like tag her or something on social media she's she's writing another book as well and it's just would love to promote not just her but just the mission the lord has her on and reaching out in our business community so just find her socials on there you can tag it and include it and push that on i, I she's not here so i'll say that you know to, to do that this is a great thing but this is a huge gift she's giving these books away and so with that, um, as we jump in today, we're going to look at really our story as we continue, and, and we'll, we're going to talk about this, is about story itself. All of us love a great story, don't we? We love the, 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 the drama and the trauma of it. We, when we, it's a novel or a book, and it's riveting, and we don't know the twists and the turns and what's going to happen next, and, and how, the, the, how ingenious some of the, the writing is and authorship of how people direct movies, and we're just, we just love it. We get caught up into it. And, 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 and we, where we see maybe there's a person that was a kind of a victim or a group of people are victims, and, and along the way, they got help. Someone guided them along, and they, they moved from victimhood to really being heroes of the of of the story and along the lines they 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 ended up trying to get past a, a villain they 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 overcame an obstacle and there's this beautiful beautiful story but many of these stories they start with tragedy they start with pain the drama and the trauma we love great stories right as long as we're not experiencing the drama and the trauma but that but we can't avoid that in our ventures in life and what we go through, we can't avoid that, that much, we know this looking back in our life, much of what we've gone through and we got over, we can contribute to what God did and what he got us through, right? And that is the greater story, his great story, history that he's writing. But here's something very powerful we've been talking about. Who holds the pin to your story? Who holds that pin? We choose how our story will be written. Your beginning of your story, you didn't get a choice. You, in your upbringing, there's times you didn't get the choice. At some point, you have a choice. And what do you do with that? Janelle, we talked about her backstory. Last week, she, she shared about her backyard moment when she went out and saw the two little, her two little girls all by themselves, a note on the counter that her husband had left her. Here, this is the moment she now 
right at that time became a single mom and how she got God's help and helped her through it to be able to send and, and to really pretty successful in business. But that's not the story. If you read her story, the success lies in the people that she invested, her own very children, that's what matters the most. And, and, and as we move into this series, you have a story too. And last week we gave out these booklets and they're really pretty, pretty minimal of the book. Here's a sticker that we put on this little blank book. It says, my story starts here. The reason it's so simple is because we're not writing your story. You're writing your story. And this is my scribble these last few days of writing my, my story. Only the Lord and I can read the handwriting that's here and translating it. But was I, when I was going through my story, I was realizing, God, you've been there. God, you've been there. God, you've been there. All the twists and turns. And I'm only up to about 20 years ago. I still got a lot left to write in my story. I encourage you to take a booklet. There's some instructions, some questions that can help you guide writing your story. Why is that important? Because reflection is so important. It leads to gratitude. It leads to this appreciation that all God has done and has got us through. But who holds the pen? Who holds the pen to your story? Now, when we say that, people, people do this. The older you get, you might say this. Like, you know what? I get it. I had someone this morning say something like, I'm already too far into my story. Why, why, how could I continue to write a better story? I've kind of I've been there, done that, right? It, you know, some of us go, you know, if I could go back in the DeLorean, you know, and go 88 miles an hour and, you know, go back to 1985 or 1955, then I would change things. And I would say to myself, dude, you butthead, McFly, get your life together, right? We, we wish we could go back to those moments, but we can't. What we can do is we can move the plot forward in our life. And that's what we want to focus on today. See, we, when we look back, and maybe we'll talk about here excuses, is sometimes we'll just say too far, too gone. But can I tell you this? It's never too late or never too new little or never too late for a better version of you. There's, it's never too little or never too late for a better version of you. You've maybe heard this before. You know, we can look at our has history, but our history does not have to determine our destiny. There is a steps that we can take. And if you struggle to believe this, if you struggle, you think it's just too little, too late, then you're going to have to ignore the story of one man named Moses that we're going to look at this morning. As we look at his story, there was yet to be some major things written. When we get to where his, or the, where the, the story starts, where we're going to start from, and we'll go back in his backstory, you read this, and we know the body of work, the body of life that, that Moses led was far and beyond, and we have all this scripture to read, but yet when you catch Moses where he is, he probably thought he was done. He probably thought it was over. It was too little, too late, which was not the case. And so I want to jump in to Exodus chapter 3, and we're going to look at that this morning. It's on the screen. You can follow along. It says this. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he let, led the, the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horab, the mountain of God. Now I want to stop for a moment. Do you ever feel like you're on the far side of things? 
Do you ever feel like you're kind of outside, you're not in the thick, you're not in maybe even feel like the center of God's will? Sometimes we just feel it. Sometimes we're just, as, as they say in Linden, you're, you're stuck in the back 40, and you just don't know what, where you are and where you're going in life. And sometimes we look and say, hey, I'm, I'm on the far side of life because I've, I'm out of God's will. I, I, I blew it. it. The things I did and the things I was hoping to do didn't happen, and, 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 and I wish we could go back, but we can't, and we can feel like we've drifted. Moses must have felt this way because as we as as we're going to write a riveting story you have to have this character development and as we look at Moses you're wondering why he did what he did and the choice he made I want to go back here and look at that his backstory really and for all our backstory shapes who we are today Moses his life started with an incredible struggle now the big story God's story of his people of Israel they were all in in, in, uh, in enslavement to, to Egypt during the time that Moses was born. About 400 years of enslavement by the Egyptians. And now they, the Hebrew people, the Israelite people, they're growing in numbers, and that really was, that brought fear to Egypt and to Pharaoh, and he needed to control the population, so he worked them harder. He, he made them make more bricks, and, and you know, you think of all the pyramids and everything we have, it was built by the hands, you know, the backs of slaves. And he pushed him and oppressed them, but they, keep, they kept growing in numbers, and it was a threat to him. And so finally he decides, hey, we're going, which is so harsh, we're going to kill all the firstborn um, boys. And so this, this genocide was taking place. Well, Moses' mother, this little baby, she puts him in the, on the, in the basket on the Nile River, and she sends him, you know, down the river. So have you ever felt you're, you know, sent up the river, okay? Moses, you can relate, you can relate with this, right? And, but yet part of God's providence and plan was for Moses to be picked up by Pharaoh's daughter. That the very person was oppressing and wanting to kill babies, she brings a baby home. And th- this life is spared. And we read in chapter 1, or I think it's actually chapter 2, verse 10, she sa- it says this, she named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. So Moses, if your name's Drew, that's also Moses, by the way, okay? Uh, check out the ver- next verse. It says, one, one day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them as they, in hard labor, and he saw an Egyptian beat a Hebrew, one of his own people. Now I look at that between verses 10 and verses 11, and there's this massive gap, isn't there? there there's just speculation uh, in these verses. I mean, Disney did a whole movie called The Prince of Egypt in between these two verses. Like, what, what was it like for Moses to grow up in there? So we only can speculate. We have no record of it at all. But we, we can imagine a little bit. If you've ever been fostered or adopted, you might relate with Moses, except living in a palace in the most powerful kingdom of the, the earth the time. Moses grew up in the lap of luxury, but he was different. I don't know that the characteristics between a, a Hebrew and an Egyptian, I'm, I'm sure we look and they all look the same back then. No, there was definitely a distinction. And maybe in skin color, in, 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 uh, in, in traditions and looks and everything it go, this culture is coming together. But he was raised in Egyptian, but he wasn't Egyptian. And pro- people knew it. Right? People probably knew it. His own family knew it. The, 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 his community. If you ever 
felt like maybe you're here and you've lived in, you've lived as a, a you know, basically a minority in a community. You know what this feels like. And, and if you, how people are treated differently. Racism, and you, and you know this, we were reminded, it comes out of ignorance, but it comes out of fear. It comes as a threat. Here the Egyptians were being threatened by the Hebrew people because of the size and growth of them. And now one of them is, is with them, living with them. I'm sure Moses felt the racism. He, he, there, there could have been a skin color thing. There could have been a, a, a nationality thing. And it could have been a religious thing. Of course, he was a little baby. He didn't know any different. But the Hebrews worshipped Yahweh, the one true God. And, and, and Egyptians worshipped many gods. So there's this cultural clash. And there's some, there's some conflict. He knew at some point. He knew at some point he was different. He was told that he was adopted. I'm sure, I'm sure all that was part of the story that he came from these, these enslaved people. There's a lot assumed in these two verses. But we need to look at that and understand it. And see, we can look back in our own childhood and decisions that were made for us. People, before we could write in our own story, people wrote in our story. And they said things and they did things that, that affect us who we are. We're, we're all kind of grew up either two ways. How we, were, how we were shaped was by how we were loved and how we were hurt. And it's, it's a mesh of things that, that came together. I'm not saying that Moses' mom didn't love him. I'm not saying that he, there's nowhere record of it. But it seemed to be, at time as we're going to look here, resentment is building up. Intention is building up. As Moses discovers his ethnicity and he discovers what really is going on in this injustice in the world that he was in. There's a lot can say between 10 and 11. But I want you to look at verse 12. After he sees this Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own, this is what it says. Looking this way and that, seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting, and he asked one of them, why are you hitting the fellow Hebrew? Next verse, verse 13 is there. It says, when Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went and lived in Median. Basically, before that, there was these two guys going, well, we saw you kill you know, kill that Hebrew guy. And so the word got out, Pharaoh heard about it, and now Moses becomes a fugitive. And he flees, and he goes to an area called Midian, and he's there for 40 years. And during the time, he meets Jethro, who likes him enough to say, would you like my daughter? And so he marries Jethro's daughter, and life is good. Fast forward 40 years later, Moses is 80 years old, and he's kind of going, all right, you know, this is my lot in life. This, this back 40 of the desert median, I'm, I'm okay. I'm just going to, you know, as long as I'm breathing, I'll continue to herd sheep, uh, you know, and, and maybe just feel like he could retire, you know, get to a place of age, you know. Well, that's not the case at all. He, there, there, he might have had plans for a cruise or, you know, snowboard, snowboarding, snowboarding in the wintertime, probably not snowboarding back then, uh, and at his age. Uh, but uh, there will be water involved later. We'll get to that. Um, but he thought that was it. Cash in the 401k. Uh, you know, but then this burning bush moment happens. All of a sudden, in the middle of nowhere, God called him from this within the burning bush. This is what it says. Moses, Moses. And Moses says, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for this place you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father. 
the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now, why does he give the list of these things? Moses doesn't know any of those people. He was a little baby. He probably wasn't raised in and understanding anything of the Hebrew tradition. But he said, God said, this is who I am. Well, just like we would, Moses freaks out, but the Lord says this. He says, I have indeed sent the misery of my people, Egypt, and I've come, I have heard them crying out because of their, their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And here's this, for the first time on record, Moses encounters Yahweh, the one true God. We look at Moses and we look at that, how you listen to God and follow God and we read through Exodus, but this is the moment. He doesn't know who God is. He doesn't know the one true God, Yahweh. This is the first encounter that we have on record. You know? And Mo Moses is like, great, you're going to go do free people. You know, Lord, that's great. Go for it. Yeah, I'll cheer you on to do that. And then God says, you know what? You are going to be written into this story by what you do because this is what it says so now go i am sending you to pharaoh to bring my people the israelites out of egypt again god was writing him in this big story but who holds the pen to moses's story moses does god is giving moses just like he gives us a choice to live a better Story. What does Moses say? Let's do it. Let's go. Let's. No. No. I think the most relatable part of all that Moses and it is these verses that we're going to look at, at, and then we've all done this, and that is to make excuses. Excuses end up what happens. They can hold us back to this greater story, this greater version of ourselves. And that was this moment that Moses was faced with in many moments of choices. But this moment was, was he going to live this better version, not just for himself, but for about a million people to find freedom? How many know we can, we can make a lot of excuses as well? You, can, you call it writer's block. You know, like you're just, we're stuck in our story. We're stuck in, in not sure where to advance and what to do. But we can, we can pile on the excuses and here's so powerful we're going to look at here. For every lame excuse that Moses makes and what we can make, God offers not only a perfect answer, but he offers this invitation to join him in what he is going to do and help write a better story. So we're going to look at these excuses, how to step out of them and step into this, this better version of our life. So God's answer, excuses, you can take these notes here and go with them, is this. The first is the excuse of identity. After God speaks to Moses, Moses' first response is this. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Moses is looking where he's at. But he's kind of washed up. He's out in the back 40. He's so far from the center of Egypt. He's not even near there. He's so far from thinking that he's, God was going to do anything in his life, let alone just even understanding who God is, which we'll, we'll get to. What does he have to offer, his background? I mean, some of us can feel the same way, right? We might not feel like we're a murder fugitive, 
But we look at our lives and going, you know, I came from nowhere, and I, you know, I live in, I live in Birch Bay, I live in Blaine, I, I live in Ferndale, I live in Custer. What can come from there? I love Custer. If you're from Custer, by the way, not offending. People get mad. I get hate mail about the, the people I make comment of Custer. But where is that, right? It doesn't matter. It, but yet, this, there was something coming and forming. God gives an answer to this question that Moses asked. And it's a question that we, we ask when we're challenged. Who am I is this? This is what God says to him, verse 12. Exodus 3, I will be with you. I will, the simple answer, I will be with you. What a reassurance that, that we could ever have, right? That no matter where we go, no matter where, where we end up or whatever happens, God says, I will be with you. From, from where you are now to the ends of the earth, I will be with you wherever you go. You're not alone. I'm going to help you every step of the way. It's the very words that, very last words that Jesus says right before he ascends to heaven. I will be with you always to the end of the age. I will be with you. You know, I was writing, writing my story this week. As I mentioned, kind of the, the uh, I don't know, I just, I, I welled up in tears sometimes thanking God for what he'd done. And thanking God for helping me get over and help me even, we'll talk a little bit more on this forgiveness in the next couple weeks, getting over the past, as Janelle mentioned, the putting the past in the past. And there was something about writing it down that brought finality to some things. It brought like that happened, this happened, but I'm past it. There was something really spiritual that took place. I encourage you to write it down. But let's just ask the question for you. What's God's response to, to your excuse who am I? God says, you're, I got you. You're, you're, you're mine. You are a, if you're a follower of me, we've said this over and over. It's not, it's not who you are, it's whose you are, right? Who are you? Well, there's so many descriptions of who you are in Christ. You and I, you can go through them all. You're forgiven, you're reborn, he's, you're his temple, you're a new creation, you're his workmanship, you're made righteous, you're chosen, you're a saint, a citizen of heaven, a son and daughter, joint heirs of his kingdom, holy and dear loved. And most importantly, you're his. So whatever excuses of to like, ah, who am I? No, I don't know. You know. A lot of people today are struggling in identity. Who am I? Where am I? You know, all that, the confusion in the world, especially in our, our student population, it's just so crazy. Who we are is whose we are. We're his and out of our identity. You know what you end up discovering? We discover also who God is because that's where the source as we go to. See, the second excuse is this, the excuse of inadequacy. The excuse of inadequacy. Probably one of the greatest fears we can ever have is be put on the spot, right? Being called out. If you ever, you somewhat kind of get, you know, amped up if you've ever gone into a job interview. I've been on the other side of the, the, the room interviewing people this week for jobs. By the way, keep praying for our next-gen role. And so we've been interviewing a few people, and we've been asking some tough questions. And to see, to see them squirm, you know, just to see them sweat it out. We had a bright light on them, and no, we're not doing that. No one wants that. But you've gone through a job interview, haven't you? And there's this moment where they ask you a question, and you're like, I just want to run away as fast as I can from this moment. 
and yet you're going, I need a job. I'm like, I'm going to stick this out. It's tough, isn't it, when we're put on the spot in life. Our worst fear. That's what Moses' was, worst fear is. It became his excuse. He says, as Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is in his name? Then what shall I tell them? Now, notice he's not saying go to Egypt yet. He's just going to his own church crowd. He's just going to his own people. Hey, guys, God spoke. God, you're our God. And you're like, Moses, who are you, man? Like, we're, like are you one of us? And, and you know, now, you know, and, and the, yeah, this, this bush, it was, I heard God's voice. Like, whoo, right, what are you drinking out there in the, you know, in the back 40 there, Moses? And he had to convince his own people. And so all these fears are building up. How many know our story that we tell ourselves? Many times what we do is we go back to what people have written about us. We go back in our story. Well, I was called this, and I was lesser this, and, and, and realize, no, God is the one. God is the one that's speaking into our lives. But what happens in our inadequacies, or, or yeah, in our, in our inadequacies is this, is that what we do is we, we make these excuses. You know, I don't know the Bible well enough. I don't, I, I don't have, well, someone asked me a tough question I don't know the answer to. Well, listen, listen to this. Here's Moses. He goes, I wasn't raised. I didn't go to Sunday school. I don't know. I don't know your name. Who, what? He goes, what, what do I even call you? What is your name? God's answer to Moses is this response. God says to Moses, I am who I am. That is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Now, we could get into that name and everything, but you read it face value, you're like, that? You want me to go with that, God? That's not, I don't know. But yet, what was describing was so powerful. See, God was saying to Moses, tell, tell, tell them this. Listen, just, just do as I say, and I will show you who I am. Am. I will show you who I really am and then what I really can do. You get it? It's, it's at that level, this very identity who, who God is. is it, it's really how God works, isn't it? He leads us out. He leads us out to follow him by faith, and we know little about him at times. You know, we, we're, we have the luxury that we got the whole Bible. We got the luxury that we're in post-resurrection, and we, all the pieces kind of fit together. Moses had none of that. There wasn't a whole lot of things written down. He grew up and not in any kind of, any kind of you know, faith, monotheistic faith. And here we are. He goes, I don't even know what to say. And so he had little to go on. But what it ended up happening is God says to him, and the answer of his inferiority, is in, or his inadequacy actually, is this. I am, tell him I am who I am. The I am. That, that God's telling him, what we, you need from me is me in the very moment in your life. I'm not the I was. I'm not the I wills. You know, one days. No, I am the I am. I'm the ever-present God in time of need. Tell them that, God. That real, that I'm a real God meeting them right where they're at. So there's not a situation where we can find ourselves that God doesn't hold the solution to, right? He, he's able and he enables us to go in our, to write a better story in our life. When we look at the size of the task and compare it to our abilities, we get overwhelmed. But when we look at the size of the task and compare it to God's abilities, it's a completely set of math questions, or math equations. So never, 
but we don't want, we, 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 you know, like, we don't have a lot of education, we don't have a lot of money, we don't have a lot of skill, we don't have a lot of things, and we, we make this list of things and these excuses, and God says, you're missing it, you have me. I am the answer to this. I am the I am in the moment that you need me. You know, you look at how, you know, when we measure up against what our task is, we look at these obstacles, and yet we've got to go back in the Bible. We've got to go back to Noah. I'm sure he felt a little inadequate. This huge boat that's never been built before that he's going to build. The, the David had felt pretty small, I'm sure. Goliath, Daniel felt pretty inadequate, and all these lions that hadn't been fed for a while, and he's the dinner, Okay. No different than us. We are not to be the victims of our past or our present situation, but we hold the pen. But here's the thing. We are inspired by God through his spirit to write a better story. Just because you hold the pen doesn't mean you have the power, though there's power in that choice that we make, but the empowerment comes the Holy Spirit to help us live a better story. When we began to put our faith in the great I am, the obstacles that seem impossible create these divine opportunities that led by God. God says, let me do who I am. Let me be who I am, who I am to the people in the moment. So Moses, that was an excuse. Another excuse was this, the excuse now of inferiority. You know, let's just, let's speak to the, to the elephant room. We all experience that, right? Um, how many of you would say you have an inferiority complex? Does anyone want to raise your hand? Okay. The rest of you do as well. You were not wanting to raise your hand. Did you see what happened there? Because you have an inferiority complex. <laughs> That's not nice. But we do. We don't want to be put on the spot. We just, you know what? I kind of want to blend in the crowd a little bit. Well, Moses wanted to do that as well. But there was excuses that he gave. Moses answered this. He goes, this is his response to God's challenge. He says, what if they do not believe me or listen to me? The Lord did not appear to you, right? That's the thing, like, dude, what are you on, right? The burning bush, you're burning something else, okay? Too far there. Moses filled, that was not in my notes, by the way. <laughs> Moses, you know it wasn't. Moses, Moses was filled with doubt. Remember this, you got to go back don't you think his story was? Don't you think he felt lesser? Don't you think he felt inferior to this, this dominant race of people in this culture? He was not one of them. Yeah, Moses, you're, you can, you know, yeah, you can. It's like, the, it's like your family. You ever, you ever been to guest to a family reunion? You can eat the food and play the games, but you're not in the, the family photo, right? You're just not quite. In fact, you might be the one to take the picture, right? You're not... You're not in. That's how he felt over and over again. That was me writing a story. And listen, in fact, this is my favorite response of God in this encounter. It says this. This is the Lord said to him. When he says, you know, who am I? No one's going to believe me. No one's going to listen to me. He says, and then this, this he says, what is that in your hand? God asked him. What is that in your hand? Well, what did he have? He had a staff in his hand. He had a, a shepherd's crook. He had, he had what he knew to do, you know, in life. He had what it was available. He, it was what was there. And it was interesting. God tells him, throw it down on the ground, and it, and it turns into a snake. Now, grab the snake. I'm like, what? Grab the snake. Grabs it by the tail, becomes a staff again. What is he showing? He goes, the great I am is stronger than any snake god. By the way, the the, the snake god was very revered. In fact, the, the headdress, I believe, the pharaoh had in the middle was a, a, a symbol of a snake. But this is a big deal, and it ends up being a big deal when he does go to pharaoh later. All practice, 
grabbing the snake. What is he saying? What, he goes, he's really asking, what is in your hand? That's the same question for you all here, for all of us. What is in your hand? What do you have? You have, you have a pen. You have, you, what you have in your hand is you have the ability, when you're, God's power helping you, to write a better story. You have gifts, you have talents, you have abilities, you have his very spirit to leverage what's further. And some of us go, I don't really have a lot of skills. No, the average person has like 500 to 700 skills, right? Now, some of that might be walking, chewing gum, and texting while you're driving, okay? Which don't do that while you're driving, okay? Please don't do that. But we have, we can multitask. We have all these skills we do. The Bible says in Corinthians, it says, but each of you have your own gift from God. What it's saying is your own makeup of gifts, you know, you might have the gift of teaching, you might have the gift of hospitality, you know, gift, but the combination of gifts is you, just like your DNA is unique to each person. Your, your, your unique makeup. No one can replace it. There's no mold of you, okay? God broke the mold, right? Your mom or dad said that. I don't know if that was a compliment. God, God bro broke the mold when he created you. I'm like, I don't know if that's flattering or not. But anyway, you know, it's, you're unique. And so you, your unique work is unique circumstances that God has you to be in. And what do we do? Well, we're called to serve. We, we do these sign-ups in there, and there's still blanks, by the way, and available, and different gifts and different things they're doing, right? I was tempted to play the drums this morning. I just felt like I could do it. Like, it'd be horrible. I haven't practiced. I could be good. I might have the capacity. Someone else can do that. I can't do it all, right? We all have different roles that we have. So find your place. Find your place to serve in the church and the community is one of those things you can do. Don't let your excuses get you stuck in your own story, Finally, this, this excuse is this, the excuse of disability, the excuse of disability. Here he is, back 40, herding sheep in the desert. Moses says to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent. Okay, here God's challenged him to speak. I haven't been really eloquent with words. Neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant, I am slow of speech and of tongue. Okay? Moses was probably a stutterer, okay? He had some kind of a difficulty communicating. We don't know, really understand the disability of, of some kind. Now, how do you compare that for yourself? Physical or learning disability is in all of us at times. We have something that we're getting through. It might not be a, a, a blatant disability or maybe been diagnosed with something, but we all can feel that. We all have disabilities that happen in our life. Some of us are, are just brilliant in school. Like you didn't have to study and you would just get A's. Now raise your hand if that's you. Okay, no, you we hate you. No, we love you in the Lord. Okay, that's what you're supposed to say, right? No, we, we're great for you. But some of us take a little bit more time learning. We, it's some of the things we're doing. It is one, it's just how we're developing, how we, disabilities, this, we kind of go, this, there can be a, limit, a, leg, a legitimate excuse. And yet, if we just look at our, focus on our disabilities, we're not looking for these opportunities that can come. We focus on our weaknesses. We do the I can't. God says, I, I am the I am. I'm not the I'm not. I am, I am doing something I want to do through you. But we get caught and stuck in the can'ts of life. Well, here's God's answer to that last excuse. Well, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. I love how God's already working. Like, here's, here's my answer, excuse. By the way, I already knew you are going to complain to me about it, and I got an Uber, and your buddy, you know, your, your brother's coming. He's going to meet up with you, right? He's already, like, God, 
but isn't that God? Isn't it true over and over again? Like, why you're wallowing in your excuses, God's working out this plan to help you. He's, even before you ask, even before you, he's scheming for your greater good. He has this, want you to live this better story, and he's a partnership with this. You're not writing it on your own. This isn't human efforts alone. This is God saying, I'm doing something here, but I'm giving you the pen to write it. And what, guess what? And you don't have to write it alone. You don't have to write it alone. You have a family of people. And I think a lot of times we look at our liabilities and we think, well, I just need to get better at something. Sometimes you just need to delegate it. Sometimes you're, you, you just focus on how good, strengthening your strengths, get, get better at what you're doing. A lot of times in school, uh, we were told like, you know, you're, maybe you're great at English and you suck at math and like all our efforts was focusing on the whole, you grew up, you were a great writer, you're a great, you know, order or whatever communications you're great at but you always sucked at math and everybody focused on math you got a's and everything but you got a c in math and everything was about the math the math the math you probably should not be an accountant when you grow up you probably shouldn't get involved in anything with numbers if you run a business get an accountant get somebody else to help you with that okay you delegate it out just get better at what you're good at Okay? Yeah, you got to balance your own checkbook at times, I, your, your own money. I get that part. You don't have to be an expert in everything. You don't have to, so think about that for your life. Where can you focus your strengths on to live that better story? And where you can't, that's where we get help. That's where we reach out. The Bible says, of all, you know, 40 different one another's, love one another, support each other, encourage one another, bear each other's burdens. All that's part of it. And it led to Moses as Finally, you know, his community says, okay, Moses, we agree, you're hearing from God. And then he goes back to Egypt, right? Goes to the palace of, of Pharaoh with his brother Aaron. Moses going, hey, I'm here. My brother Aaron's going to talk to me. And what was he saying? Pharaoh, God says, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and, and, and you know, Abraham, Isaac, and Joseph, he that God, the, 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 the I, who's, who's she supposed to, the I am is saying to you, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, no problem. No, that didn't happen. Ten plagues later, it happens. The people are set free. What happened? Moses began to live, not only for himself a better story, but the people themselves, over a million people got to live a better story. I'm going to invite our team to come as we pray. I got permission to mention this about my daughter. Um, some of you know, last summer, just two weeks before she was heading off to college, she found out she's type 1 diabetic. Very, very, very challenging for a young woman to navigate this. Not only just to navigate it being home, but then going away in the dorms and doesn't have a car and getting medications and all that was going on. So it was a very dramatic year uh, for all of us. She's such a trooper. She's amazing, resilient young woman. Um, and it's amazing. Like if I did it, I don't know if I'd make it. Okay, she's just awesome at what she's done. But in this process, though, you know, trying to find community and connect with people has been very difficult in her life, um, and, in this, and through going all this, but just recently, she found a friend, a friend that she met that's in a wheelchair, and her name is Mo, okay, Moses, and this, this woman's name is Moriah, and Moriah has fibromyalgia, which some of you might know what that is and experienced it, and basically, it's, it's 
you know, pain everywhere. And so this, this young, I mean, she's only, what, 20 years old, 22 years old. She's in a wheelchair hoping you get better. And the perspective she's given, my, given our daughter is pretty amazing. She, I said, does she ever, she doesn't complain one bit. She says, God is using my disability to use as an opportunity. And I think it's for all of us. We can make all the excuses in the world, all the things that we can't do, we can't do this, we can't do that, there's no way, whatever it is, too little, too late, don't have it all. And we are let, when we do that, we're letting someone else write that storyline. We're letting someone else dictate that. And God comes in and interjects in our existence and says, where we're heading, he says, I have a better story for you to write, but you are the one to hold the pen. So here's the question as we pray. What are your, what are your excuses not living a better story? What are your excuses? In fact, what I'm encouraging you this week is a call to action because one of the things we're challenged is we hear this and that was so great, but we don't do anything with it. In your journals this week that you got, take a page somewhere in the air after you wrote your story, find some space, and just do this each day as a, a daily activity. And it's this. Today, I step out of my excuse of whatever it might be, write it in, and step into the opportunity to do something, okay? I'm, I'm stepping out of the opportunity, make excuse, I don't know God's word, to actually start reading God's word. It could be that simple. I'm stepping out of my excuse not to pray, but actually schedule time to pray. Just like you schedule a doctor appointment. It's important, you're gonna show up, right? They'll charge you anyway if you don't show up, right? You're there. You're making an appointment with God. You're doing these steps. I don't have knowledge or skill. Find the skill. I don't have the money. Look for a way to trim costs and, and cut the coffees or do something to give. I have no friends. Find a small group. Find a group of people. So proud of her daughter. She searched and looked and found a community that she could connect with. Her age. So important to do that. Whatever it is, here's the thing. Don't live your life any longer as an apology. Live it as a statement. God, God says, there's no question mark. Is he the I am? No. He says, I am who I am in your life in the moment right now. Let's together live a better story. Stop making excuses and starting right now. Let's pray together. God, thanks for this opportunity that we've had and, and just this challenge, Lord. I, I pray, Lord, that we... You wouldn't, I don't think this will happen, but some, some might believe that, like, well, I just got to try harder. I just got to, I got I to, gotta, you know, I'm going to live a better story, and so I'm just going to, and Lord, you're, you're calling us to try harder. You're trying us to make, you, you said and everything, make every effort. Lord, there's effort, there's, but it's really, we have our part, but Lord, really, you have that part. You're the one that speaks to us. You're the one that appears to us. Maybe it's not a burning bush. But Lord, you speak to us through your word every single day. We don't need a burning bush. We already have your word. We don't need some, some smoke in the sky to tell us that you exist. You've proven it by Jesus coming, dying, and being raised to, to life, Lord. You've already did all the work. Now we just have to step out and live in that work. You are the I am. You're not the God of I was. Lord, we can get caught in the glory days and look back and the things that we've gone through. And yes, Lord, it's good to look at that and how you got us through. But we can caught up in success of the past and think, well, it's too little, too late, I did our time. Lord, we're still, we're still breathing. Lord, we're not, we're not done because we're not dead, Lord. We're, we're, we're right where you have us right now to take a next step, to step out of our excuses. Lord, show us right now what they are. 
Oh, I bet, Lord, we are. I bet some people right now can identify it. Wow, Lord, that's me. Yep. Lord, may we make a list and then replace it with the calling, what you're leading us to do by your strength, by your very spirit to go with us. Lord, you, 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 you saw a million people. You led a million people to freedom, but you used a man to do it, to hold in his hand that very staff that turned into a snake one day that you called upon to, to be raised up to cross over the Red Sea, to split the waters, to bring them to freedom, Lord. That's the work you called us to do, to lead us, not only ourselves in a, a better story, but the people around us toward freedom that you are, you truly are, showing to everyone the great I am. We pray for that help to do it this week, the steps to take toward this greater story, Lord, you're writing in us and through us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to stand as we close today. I think one of the greatest challenges is stepping out of our fear and then stepping into faith in God's hand. And let's practice. Let's declare it. If there's things God's speaking to you that you want some prayer about and you're like, I'm struggling, kind of stuck in my story, we love to do that. Prayer people here in our Karen Connection. I hope you can come back next week for we continue to do this series. It is Father's Day next week. So, guys, we got something. Um, I think it's kind of something we'd be chilling for you next week. Enjoy that what that might be. So have a great day. God bless you.